so many files. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Digital Doctor podcast. My name's Stephen Wing and I'm joined today by Ed Wallet, Wake Young and Nish Bedi and we are going to talk about collaboration, aren't we guys? I hope yeah. so. Yeah, good. Because we, we've done quite a lot of this ourselves. I know Ed, you and I over the years have used pretty much every single tool there is going, I would imagine. I think we probably have. In one way or another. Yeah. And For various bits and pieces, coding... Podmedics, recording, lots of stuff. But we'll come on to that later. So Nish and Wake Young, you guys, you're in new hospitals now, aren't you? Mm-hmm. How's it yes. going? How's it going? Good. <laughs> Is it? The IT uh, induction was a bit um, limited, which I think we've just mentioned briefly. But uh, was, other than was that, was the was the induction limited or was the product limited? <laughs> <laughs> the products <laughs> were always limited. Um, the induction was particularly limited. Yeah, That's I mean. Correct. They didn't really send anyone there. No passwords. I don't know if it's the same for everyone else. But, you know, it's it's a good couple of weeks before you're up and running teaching yourself. No passwords? Mm. Nice. Everyone yeah. used the same one. Yeah. Yeah, everyone borrowed. What, password 123? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I already know your passwords anyway, Nish. It's always the same. <laughs> My Little Pony 5, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's my password. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, at, um, started working. Uh, yeah, for me, it's, it's great. I mean, I start started work in a uh, world famous hospital, and like anything, you go. I've you walk into a world famous hospital, and you expect, you know, world class IT. But there seems to be sometimes an inverse correlation between how famous a hospital is and how well the IT is run. You all. You only work in. World famous hospitals, don't you? <laughs> yeah, it's because he's a world famous hematologist. Yeah, mm. not tra- not not just the trainee. When can <laughs> you actually um, declare yourself world famous? Is it like if more than you know you you are known by someone in more than four different countries or something? Like, are you technically world famous? Or and 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 I suppose um, your name people recognize you from an abbreviation rather than your full name, WCK, or something. Yeah. I like that W2K. It reminds me of the... Um, Millennium. Millennium. Mm. That, that, that's, that's how that name came about. That People gave me that name around the year uh, 1999 when I started my PhD. And my, um, my fellow colleagues called me Y2K. <laughs> I think it's good. It's stuck. And collaboration tools then uh, that I use for my research probably about the same as my collaboration tools that I can use in hospital now. I don't think things have moved on that much. You mean a Word document with comments that gets emailed around? Oh. Yes, exactly. That People still do that. And it's, you know, I don't get it. So I suppose in this episode, I want to take more of a sort of broad view about what people are using at home, not necessarily for the hospital. I suppose we can touch on the hospital because um, I don't think uh, collaboration other than writing in patients' notes is... And, and sending them letters in the post is, is very good uh, in the hospital. But I think I'd, I'd really like to discuss what kind of technologies uh, we use in our day-to-day lives and what sort of problems you think those technologies are solving and what still needs to be done. I think that would be uh, a, g- a good basis for the rest of the podcast. Well, I, I'd like to just start by talking about the most basic thing of all, which I used to collaborate with my wife, um, and that's uh, shared calendars. 
Mm, that's a good point. Um, because those are very easily available, whether you're a Google person or an Apple iCloud person. You know, shared calendars are really easy to set up, and they're pretty powerful. I mean, you can have separate um, feeds for different people. You know, every time my wife puts something in the calendar, it pops up on whatever device I'm using um, to say that that's done, and she can edit my my things and add you know information there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And we actually use it a lot for not just for the the calendar uh, function, but um, you know when something's going to happen, but also you know having the ability to add notes in there as well is really really useful. Um, whether that's an address for the event or or stuff that we need to stuff we need to remember to do or people like someone we need to ask something um, about that kind of stuff. Um, and so that's very a very easy way to get started actually. Mm. I think. And I'm really glad you brought this up because this is exactly what um, I'm experiencing now. Because there's five SHOs in our team, and we've all got different rotors with on calls and everything and we just set up a um uh, we tried to set up a calendar and we were in the hospital and we tried to basically set up a calendar where we could all put our rotors together in one place and you could probably guess the only thing that we could do it on was uh, excel spreadsheet <coughs> which is just horrible and we've just yeah. kind of everyone's you know manually put in the dates the bank holidays put in your own rotor put in your own days off and everything and then emailed it out to each other then if you make changes you have to email it again it's oh it's really clumsy but then obviously there's nothing else in the hospital can you not get access to google spreadsheets or google not calendar on our server but obviously everyone's got a personal thing so i was thinking about transferring that over to something like google calendar hang but, on hang on don't you have microsoft outlook or something or nhs net calendars nhs net calendars maybe i haven't used that before and and uh, well we use Outlook and you got shared calendars with permission controls and everything. Mm. And and any any hospital that runs that has it. And it's quite mature because whether we like it or not, you know, Outlook it's it runs a lot of organizations um um communication and it has all the features that you mentioned. The only problem of course is that I can't access it once I'm out of the hospital. I can't oh. access it on my drug on my phone. Mm. I or you need a computer logged in as yourself, which we know it's a real trouble when we're not sitting mm -hmm. next to a yeah. desk. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Google Calendar's perfect because you can sub just subscribe to it yeah. um, mm. on any device um and everybody can get access to it and it's free. So why That's not? Mm, that's what I was thinking, transferring it over. But fine. So you Google, do you use Google Calendar then? Uh, well, I use iCloud um, ca calendars, but that's only because I'm I'm basically sucked in to the iCloud system, and I I can't do anything else. Um, but it kind of makes sense because I I use Apple devices in my mm. daily in my daily life. Um, I mean, we're not talking about my work life. I don't really use calendars in my work life. I mean, well, I do, but. Um, I don't share those with my team. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm sort of forced to use a number of these things. So I, like you, Ed, I'm very Apple Apple ecosystem centric, and that's kind of just. I think it's it's a natural thing once you buy lots of Apple devices. It tends to just if it, with Apple devices, as long as you just accept their uh, standards and just go with the flow, things tend to be a lot better than trying to fight the system. I think. Yeah. So. However, they have got better at that. They've got better at supporting other people like like Google. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, I mean, I really wish my wife would, would have shared calendars because she's got uh, um, a MacBook Air too. And um, 
she won't she won't do it and she's still got a paper diary and it and, and I find that quite frustrating so I have a calendar set up for her so everything every time <laughs> she tells me something I have to edit her her calendar which is which is quite annoying <laughs> but then I've also got the the hospitals that I've worked in recently do their on-call rotors and clinic rotors and things um using google doc, uh google doc calendar which is which is pretty good actually I I, I do quite like having a, it online yeah so google calendar yeah, I mean, I could talk for a long like time it. about what I feel about Google's design and uh, user interface, uh, but the product is good and it works and it's fast and it syncs with everything. Which Doesn't work in my hospital because everything Google is banned except yeah. the search. That is criminal. That's the same in my my place. That is ridiculous. I I don't understand. It's crippling. It's not crip. It's actually, it's actually almost subversive. Like, what are you going to be doing with Google Docs and Google? I mean, mm. why wouldn't you have that? I just no. They just think... don't. They just don't want you to access your personal email, so you can't get Hotmail. You can't get. You can't get Yahoo. You can't get. You know, Google. Yeah. There's no. I, um, there's no continuity between trusts as well. One place will let you have it. One place won't, and you just. You know. You, you... I think. I think they just need to wise up and realize that everyone's carrying around a phone or an iPad, and if they want to access this stuff, they can. So they should just open it up, you know, and we're, you know, hope and have a bit of trust in the healthcare professionals who are working for you as well. You know, there are there are ways to get around this stuff. I remember I couldn't get access to Dropbox um, at, yeah. one, at one at one particular trust, and I used to get around it by just adding instead of doing HTTP, I just add HTTPS, and it would work every time. Oh, that's so funny. And you can actually, you can actually, there are quite a few blocks, like the NHS system blocks on Google and stuff. Just try adding that S after the securing the HTTP, and often that goes straight through it. That's hilarious. It's about 80% of the time it works. <laughs> That's a very good hack. I'm going to write that yes. down. Yes, nice. yeah, exactly. So I suppose calendars are one thing that, that, that collaboration... Um, it's topical. Yeah, right yeah. Calendars is one thing, but there's there's other things that I, I think we should touch on, like um, managing projects, what to do with files, and then making things like um, like what you do with when you're collaborating with someone in programming and making code, and how you put together an academic paper. Um, so, I mean, calendars is, is useful, but I think it fits really, really well with managing projects. They're quite interrelated, and I kind of see those two things separate managing projects and then calendars but um i don't know if you guys do I, I tend to use something called gantt charts have you heard of those yeah i know what they are but maybe you should explain what they are so gantt charts are where it's basically a calendar with uh the days along the top and uh on the on the y-axis and on the x-axis you've got particular tasks and you can for each task you can span out on the calendar how many days it may go over Mm. And then you can make things dependent and on on others. So you can say that we can't actually do task number two until task number one's complete. And then you can assign people to those tasks. And then if you decide that actually it's going to take an extra day to complete task one, all you do is drag it open on or, 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 or modify the Gantt chart. And a lot of these software will, will just move, shift everything uh, over the, the appropriate number of days. So I think that's really useful um, for sort of sketching out how long you think things might take and just sort of managing your resources and, and your staff, that kind of thing. Yeah, um, and there are some online, there are some online um, collaborative um, versions. The one I've used before is one called Team Gantt. It's fantastic, isn't it? Did you get, yeah. um, did you hear that through Treehouse? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, because... Um, but actually, Google, Google apps have 
um, one that integrates. Ganter. Um, is it called Ganter? Yeah, J N double T E R. I think there are a number, but Ganter's yeah. certainly the best in my experience. Yeah. Um, I mean, then and there are offline ones as well. I mean, the most famous of them is one from the Om, uh, Omni Group, which make a lot of great um, Mac desktop uh, tools. Uh, it's called Omni Plan, um, which is a it's, it's offline, but actually it's, it's gonna the next version is coming out fairly soon, and it's gonna be online because the Omni Group have um, have basically created a new syncing service uh, just for their products. Um, so that's worth checking out if you're interested in Gantt chart planning. I thought the most famous um, software to use Gantt chart is Microsoft Project. We don't talk about things like that. <laughs> of course, you could do it with Microsoft as well. Mm. You're quite right. That's the reality, isn't it? I mean, yeah. a lot of people's a lot of people's view of the world is through Microsoft Office products, including Microsoft uh, Project. I mean, how many people have you had to explain to them that Microsoft Windows is not equivalent to Microsoft Office? <laughs> no. um, I, usually, I, never, I usually don't bother. No, I usually no. walk away from the conversation at that point. Yeah, yeah but yeah. it's my mum, you know? So you, you can't yeah. walk away. You can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's where you're and, going wrong and, and then and then you try to explain you can get Microsoft Office that runs on a Mac then it gets even worse that's a brain implosion so what does she right. what does she think everything is she, does she think everything is Windows or does she think everything is Office oh this was a few years ago I have educated her since but the point is that that is not an unusual um, mistake that people make and does it sync with other people other people's I, I've never used Microsoft Project before, okay. but I know, it's, but I, I know that people use it, uh, especially any Microsoft house, uh, like the NHS, for example. Um, so yeah, and of course, that, I mean to take it another stage. A lot of people think that you need Microsoft Word to take simple text notes instead of just opening up Notepad. Yeah, which for example. Okay, I, can't, I better not talk about our current hospital because the practice might seem so archaic that people might think it's a risk to patient safety, but actually it's better than paper. No, go on. What, no, 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 it's all right. Now. You have, yeah, you can't not now. No, no, it's just, it's just that, you know, as a, uh, as a tertiary referral center, we have to, we get a lot of um, calls from external hospitals asking us for advice. And wouldn't it be good if we record our advice somewhere so that we can keep track of what we tell people? And so that if, you know, I'm not working tomorrow, but my colleague is taking the call, they know what I've said. So if I write it on my own piece of paper, then that will just disappear. So what they do is they create individual Microsoft Word documents for each patient. Hmm. Ouch. Yeah. So basically, date timestamps and everything is manually typed in. And those are in some shared folder on the network drive. Exactly. So that's, you know, talking about collaboration. Is it, hang so, on, isn't that some sort of big oxymoron? Date, date timestamps are manually typed. Yes, on Microsoft Word. <laughs> nice. Did you see what's the point of it? So that, so but clutter. that's people's. That is what people's concept of note taking is. On a, they, they don't even think about Notepad. Mm. And of course, the, the reason that's important is Microsoft Word because it's actually designed as a you know to to to, to as a to, to present documents to create documents 
you know, almost like uh, for, for, you know, to, to, to do all the styling and things like that, um, it actually adds a lot of metadata mm. to the text, mm. um, which makes the file bigger. It also means that exporting it to other formats and migrating it to other formats is very difficult. While something like very simple, like Notepad or something like that, is just pure text. Exactly. Um, it hasn't got any of the other stuff there. Um, so it's actually much more, and also it's, it's more longer lasting as well, and it can be opened with anything. Um, so yeah, use Notepad. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever. So ideally, of course, it should be some form of database or a piece of bespoke software that can we could write to do this. I mean, even a Microsoft Access database would be quite good. At least you could track, you know, things when it comes in. And Yeah, you see, I would just build a Rails app for that. Yeah, but then to build a Rails app, don't you need the hospital IT to install a a server? No, that's only if you want it running locally. But you can you can run it in the cloud services on on and just access it through the web. And if every, and, and Ed's been back. Oh no, no, but now. you cannot put. But then you cannot put patient identifiable information out there outside of the N three at the moment. Oh god! I, I I know whoa, I know whoa. that you you probably whoa 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 stop right there. Stop right there. Ed. I, I know you probably tell me that you can work, but then I'll never be able to convince my IT department, and it's not worth the fight See, when you're, you're only part of the problem. Minutes. You should be you should be advocating for this. No, I would. You see, if you don't, who you, else you, is? You, you, you have moved hospitals every six months. Mm. You, you know, the first few months is just basically getting in there and not try to rock the boat. The first two weeks are trying to get passports. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I found. Please, can I use this system? So let's give Ed, let's clear this issue up. Let's give Ed the floor, and Ed can tell us how uh, what you said is wrong. Well, it's not wrong. The, the truth is, it's the reality. Uh, and that the, the fact is, is that actually, well, it is, of course, it is wrong. But the, the, the reality of the, the Y2K, as I'm now going to call him, is quite right um, in that it's a, fight, it's, a, it's a huge fight um, to persuade people that data that is not within these magical words that they've heard of, like N3, is not secure. Um, in fact, if you look at the Department of Health guidance and you look at actually what the rules act are, then it has to be the patient data has to be encrypted both at rest, so where it's sitting on a hard drive and in motion. So that means, you know, when it's moving and it has to be within the EU. That is it. That is the, the, and it has to be a minimum of 256 bit AES um, mm. encryption. I mean, that's the N3 and all these things are just uh, a way to sort of, in, in, you know, deal with the in motion thing more easily. But actually, you can do it. And, and I have done it. And I suppose another way around it, if you do want to store data in the cloud, is to just remove the patient identifiable information from it and just have some sort of uh, unique ID that, yes. that, and have a linked database that communicates with the Rails app. And you can reassemble the data uh, on the client side. Yeah, I've done that. So I'm, I'm working on a project at the moment um, which is doing exactly that, basically. So part of the project involves sending out push notifications to, you know, sending messages basically out to patients' mobile devices. Um, but those notifications can't be sent from the hospital because the hospital hasn't got the ability to set up uh, a, a notification server. So mm -hmm. basically the request has to go from the hospital up to the cloud which is only storing very basic information, um, including the blood test results, but no actual patient names and stuff like that. And then that pushes that onto the device. 
Um, so it, it, it can be done. It's legal. But the problem is, is that you can't persuade people um, that, that that's the truth. And that's what it actually is. And because they're so fixed on these ideas, they're so fixed on these ideas. Um, and it, it's, or sometimes it's a battle not worth fighting. Hopefully that's changing. Yeah. Well, it must change. Yeah. But I think to come back to the original conversation, I think shared drives is probably what most people in the NHS hospitals understand by collaborative working. Maybe, but we'll come on to that because I want to talk about files. But just um, mm, we were talking yeah. about calendars and I want to sort of slowly um, you make a segue into managing projects. But before we do that, like on the interface between managing calendars and managing projects, I think Gantt charts is one thing that's really useful and something that I know that we've all used, the doodle polls. I think it's a great idea, the doodle poll. It's good, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah it's good. Yeah, yeah. If, you, if, you're, if you're right now trying to organize an event with more than two people, and or maybe three, I'd say, and you are in a situation where emails are, you know, you've got reply to all with 20 people involved and people are saying, oh, I can make this date, but I can't make that date, and I might be able to make that date, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Just stop and set up a doodle poll. It's free and just get everyone to submit their availability that way. Um, and then you're done, basically. Don't deal, don't do, don't get in the reply all train for events. No, no. I mean, and, and there are, I suppose, I mean, I suppose a lot of people do use email to to manage projects and manage manage calendars and and those kind of things. But I and and especially when we come on to talking about what to do with files and how to manage uh, making things like um, how to work on a paper together. Um, email is used and abused and I just think that there are so many better tools like for the doodle poll solves a really particular problem very very well and if you oh, were to yeah. try and do the same thing in email it's a nightmare yeah, yeah. it really is because you get all these like yeah me too I can make that me too me too and they reply all and everyone gets every kind of email and uh, then you have to go through the backtrace and it's just it's just a nightmare then you need to have some sort of Excel spreadsheet and some do some sort of basic matrix analysis to work out what's the best day and DoodlePoll will just do it all for you. No, I agree that DoodlePoll is great. And I, I think, it, you know, you almost think that it's such a simple idea why didn't it exist a few years beforehand. But I guess the best ideas are the simplest ones. Mm. But what about managing projects then? Because um, at the moment for the, the conference, we're using Basecamp, which is um, a web application um, by the makers of uh, the Rails framework, or they started it certainly, uh, 37 Signals. And um, I think that works really well. And Ed, do you just want to, you probably use it, I mean, it's, it's your Basecamp account, so why don't you just describe what, what Basecamp is and, and how to use it, that kind of thing. Okay, so Basecamp is essentially a collaborative environment where you can have individual projects and invite other people to get access to those projects and to contribute contribute to them and within each project there are certain things that you can do or certain areas um, you can have to-do lists which enable each person to um, add to-dos to assign to-dos to different people to mark them off when they're done and of course that's all logged and other people are notified you can have calendars um, base uh, Basecamp actually has uh, calendars right built in right there and you can create multiple calendars have project specific calendars set your sort of project start time, project end time goals in these calendars. And Basecamp makes it very easy for then you to actually sync that with your phone and subscribe to that calendar. Um, they also have, the thing that's probably used most are the discussions. So someone can start a discussion thread 
and other people can contribute to that. And one of the nice things about Basecamp, I think, is that you don't necessarily, when, you, when you're taking part in it, you don't every time have to go and log into it um, and access it. Um, say there's a discussion going on, you can actually just um, get it. If you get an email about that someone's posted a new thing, you can just reply to that email and it will go into the discussion thread. Um, so for, for email-centric people, and I think most people are very email-centric nowadays, um, it actually bridges the gap very nicely. You can also have, and this is stuff they've added recently, you can have files in there. Um, so you can put a, you can add a, any type of file or upload there, even have discussion threads surrounding that particular file. Um, something we use quite a lot is the sort of live uh, note-taking facilities. So say you're with a group of people on Skype, and um, in fact, we did this when we mapped out the um, first draft of the schedule for this year's conference. You can have, rather like Google Docs, you can have a live notepad open where all of you are editing it at the same time. Um, I've got a feeling that actually doesn't exist anymore. What? The light... I used it yesterday. All right, okay, then maybe it's just me. It's not quite live in the same, because Google Docs, you can do this, right? You can, no, huh? it's not live anymore, you're right. I mean, I remember we tried to do this during our last thing, and you can edit it, but un until you save it, no one else can see. Your edits are only safe when you decide every safe version is preserved. You but have it, to saves, it saves automatically and updates automatically. No it, doesn't, no, it doesn't anymore. That's what I'm saying. Well, that's very, very strange. Has that got anything to do with Rails 4? Well, Rails 4 enables you to do that. Because, I mean, Turbo Links and all that kind of stuff, it should, it well, the, should these guys, better, right? Well, no, there's a feature in Rails 4, which these guys created, um, which allows you to have, and I don't want to get too technical, but it basically allows you to have what's called socketed connections, which means that there's a sort of the document is every time there's a small change to it, that gets pushed out to everybody else. Uh, so I'd be very surprised if the makers of Rails 4 are not using this feature in that thing. Well, we can investigate it and push mm. yeah, it in the yeah. show. But, it, but, yeah. but just to be clear, like, you're talking about the fact that when we were, for instance, we submitted an abstract about the conference, we all edited yes. the same document. On the and Google every time Docs. There was, yeah, the, the same, it was a Google Doc, wasn't it, essentially? Yeah. But it was within Basecamp. And every time anyone made a change to it, you could all see the same changes. And so, every, you know, it was literally written by six people at once. Yeah. Mm. So there are all of these features combined within one project. And that's what makes it all powerful. I mean, you don't have to use, obviously, every single feature. Um, you can choose which ones to use. I mean, I've used it, for example, for lots of different things. I've obviously used it for Digital Doctor. I use it for IT projects um, quite a lot if I'm working with other developers. Uh, you know, and we can assign who's going to be doing what at a given time, who's going to be working on this feature and that feature. We can discuss various things. Say mm. I'm working with a designer um, and they've done a new design, then they can post the file there. And not only can I get the file, but then we can have an actual discussion about it beneath the file. Um, so it's powerful for that. I use it actually also for courses as well. So I run a few coding I run a coding course for doctors and um, I actually every time nice little plug. Uh, well, I haven't told people what I haven't told people what it is. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm called. joking. So I, I, I uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and every time there's a project, every time there's a course, I set up a base camp group um, to give people, you know, the pre-reading and stuff and how to get things set up for the ah. weekend where we do the teaching. 
and then so if they have any problems they can you know access that and then I what I do is I keep it running afterwards so that it's kind of like a help place where they can come and ask questions and etc etc and I think people have found that quite useful so I think there's so many different ways that you can use a tool like that obviously it's not secure it, well it's fairly secure but it's not Department of Health secure so you couldn't use this to run for example a team within a hospital or something like that um, but but some sort of research collaborative or something in the region yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Someone, something, someone needs to invent so, something like that. Yeah, someone does. F yeah. Funny you should mention that. <laughs> I'll say no more. <laughs> so, the, so Basecamp is basically a completely managed uh, environment, and it contains all different things, like um, for helping you manage projects, like calendars and these. Steven, these Steven, and everything else. Steven, you're doing, you're doing what I'm you not, always. I'm not. I'm not. You're just repeating what I've just said. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> He does this every single time. No, no, no. <laughs> Just you were talking for so long, people have forgotten what you originally said. <laughs> you two are like a married couple, I love it. <laughs> so Basecamp is, is this sort of catch-all uh, web application that does lots of different things, as Ed described. I won't mention what he described, but he did describe it. You can you can scrub back in your audio to, to, to hear what he said. And, uh, and but there are specific things that you can you can do. So let's not talk about calendars. But I suppose you can have managed shared task lists. Is anyone using anything like that? Or has anyone heard of things? I've never used a shared task list before. Well, we have in Basecamp, haven't we? Yeah, but outside yeah. of Basecamp. I'll, I mean. Outside so of that, no. The one that's very popular at the moment uh, is one called Asana. Yeah, so I've heard of that. Yeah. So Asana integrates um, very well with with Google, and um, I'm not sure really what their business model is, but it's free management. It's free, free yeah. task it's, management it's, for teams. It's getting less free. Yeah, you can pay for it though if you're a big business and you want lots and lots of people um, and lots of tasks and projects and things. I think you 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 do have to pay, but they have a a really great um, web interface where you can manage tasks and it is kind of like a traditional task list so you can have projects and under the projects you've got uh, a list of tasks you can have due dates for those tasks you can sort and filter things um we used it for a little bit uh didn't we ed we did i mean yeah. it was okay i mean it wasn't overwhelmingly brilliant but i don't know how how, how do you think it was we don't think we spent well, too much time i think it, i think it was very good i think the problem is is we just like we liked using the software and set ourselves lots of tasks and then never completed them <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that's what i always do <laughs> is it similar to Basecamp then, guys? Does it have different projects that you can set up and does it, it email it, it you? It is similar updates? to Basecamp, but it's like Basecamp Lite, I would describe yeah. it. Yep. And it's all integrated in one window. Yes, yeah, so, and there's less uh, there's less okay. of an emphasis on... Um, I don't know if you can add files and things. Um, oh, yes, you can. You can. You can. I thought yeah. you might be able to. And you can have calendars and you can sync the tasks to your calendar, which is quite nice, actually. Um, so that every time a task Sounds is good. uploaded and it's given a due date and a person, then it will sync to their calendar. Um, so oh, Ed and I just oh spent, spent ages sending each other tasks. And <laughs> oh, I've just, I've just gone to their website and it so, looks so nice. I'm going to have to change the whole... No, no, no. Have to change. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'm gonna have to change. I'm gonna migrate. I'm gonna migrate digital doctor over to it this evening. No, no, don't. No, don't. don't. It's so pretty. It, no, it's not really, is it? It's grey. You're paying for base camp, so accept it. Use it. <laughs> this is what happens. This is the problem with a lot of these tools: is that you just sort of uh, you end up. You like it's the idea that if you and this is probably worth talking about actually. Generally, with these tools, is that 
they're great and they look pretty and they're designed for that. And there's a reason that there's sort of a million apps on the app store that are to do with task management. Yeah. Uh, and that reason is, is people love, people feel, people love to plan and like put stuff into a pretty interface because they feel that that's taking them a step closer or that's like part of actually getting something done. Yeah. It's a bit of a relief, a bit of a dopamine rush. And yeah, you feel like yeah. you've made progress when all you've really done is just sort of push paper around your desk. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I do feel, having said that, though, that the step one of you know getting yourself um, to better to work on different projects is to organise yourself properly, and and I, if that means you you move everything over, culling tasks as you go, and organising things into a sort of logical manner and breaking down breaking down big tasks into smaller tasks, I think that helps. That's helpful. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so then we went on Ed I think we used Asana for a little bit together and then we went on to Wonderkit or no sorry Wonderlist from Six Wonderkinder which is a German company yeah that's right and that was mainly because right. it looked nicer it did look nice um, and they're continuing to improve they just released Wonderkit 2 I, I believe um, but at the time they had some problems with syncing and things like that but I think those have been resolved um, they've actually moved now away from before they had a model of only doing web-based applications um, which meant that a lot of their like iPhone and a lot of the, the desktop clients were very not very responsive um, and a bit slow but they've moved now towards more native type solutions which have meant which has sped things up a lot and I do know people are keen on on that as well and once again I think Asana and Wonderkit are pretty similar yeah I don't think there's um, much to choose between them. Just, just a different philosophy, a different way that they look. And I think it's easier to understand your relationship with Six Wonder Kinder because you pay them money. Um, yeah. You pay them money for the product and it's yours. Whereas Asana, I never really know where I stand with them and you never know if you're going to get trapped and not able to export your stuff. Um, I, I don't know much about it, but I'm always worried when things are completely free. Cause you never Do you really know, know. I, I'll, I'll be quite keen to pay for a good email service rather than just depending on a free email service like Gmail. Why don't you get your own email server then? You can just buy, um, go to any sort of web domain um, hosting company and uh, you can get an email server from them. No, but I, I like the fact of how Google processes my email. <laughs> but you just want to pay the money for it. No, but because the thing is, when you're not, as, as what Stephen says, when you're not paying people money, you don't fully understand where you stand. So in, in that case, I would, mm. I would change your email address. To, I'd buy an, e an email server from a, a, a hosting company and um, let them manage everything for you. Change your email address over, but forward everything to Gmail so that you can... Or, or, there are plenty of ways of playing, paying Google money. Just get a proper Google account yeah, the Google and you have to business. pay money for it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you mean like a Google, whatever they call it, Google Apps account or something? Yeah, Google Apps account. And then you get, you know, you get your own custom domain and you can do all the stuff that you want. Mm, something to think about. Well, I suppose if the issue is trust, I don't, I don't know if paying, you know, I don't know if paying would influence me one way mm. or the other. Still, yeah, at their mercy. Exactly, yeah. And, and what worries me about Google is that uh, at a whim, they can just decide to shut a service down. And, like Google Reader. Yeah, they won't do that with email, though, I'm pretty sure, because they're getting so much data <laughs> about, about you. Um, but do, do you know what I mean? Like for, for any sort of generic Google product, you mm. always worry that is it going to just disappear? And I think the feed burner thing is going to go. And that's, I think we use that for our podcast. So, um, uh, we don't. I've migrated us away from that. Oh, thanks very much, Ed. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> why, why did you do that out of interest? Because I noticed that I have other feeds and I've noticed that they're becoming more and more unreliable. Yeah. 
Uh, and I have a suspicion. Well, people have been talking about it for ages, yeah. but I have a suspicion that it's going to disappear very soon. I think it might. So um, uh, moving on to another task manager that's that does things in a bit of a different way is um, called Trello. And Stack Overflow, yeah. if you Google any kind of coding question and, and even some other forums, you'll usually come to a Google link uh, that points you to a site called Stack Overflow, uh, which is a sort of question and answer site. And that was built by, um, or headed up by Joel Spolsky. And he blogs over at joelonsoftware.com. He's a, he's a really interesting guy. I suggest um, and encourage you to take a look at his stuff. But then he um, came out with, I think maybe last year or year before, uh, Trello, which is a, a very nice task management, collaborative task management environment where it's a concept of boards. And you can have whatever you want on these boards and you basically move cards between the boards. So you can have like a, a need to do, doing and a done board. And when someone's doing it, you can assign someone to it and move it over to the doing. And then when it's done, you can put it in the done board. Um, and it's just a different different um, take on task management, which I which I think is quite nice, actually. And especially I like oh, I like the doing. I'm, I'm just looking at their website, but that is so mm. true. Be, I like the doing bit because... Then you know, because a lot of the thing about life is in it is about the sense of progress. It's a bit like those bots when you have in London Underground, it tells you that the train is coming in three minutes. Mm. It doesn't really matter that it actually comes in five minutes, but if you know it's coming, your, yeah. your, your, your mind is put at ease. So if you are managing a project or something, knowing that something is being done, yeah, not completed, but in the process of being done and tracking, that is quite... Yeah, yeah and the, the other thing it's good for is if you've got a workflow, like you need to produce, uh, say you need to produce a, a journal uh, article and there's certain processes that you always need to go through and say this mm -hmm. is a repetitive thing, you can have the board set up in such a way as that write first draft is, is a board and then um, the next one is to send it to author for verification and corrections, um, generate the PDF, put the PDF on the website. They could all be different boards and that you could move the card that contains a certain article from one board to the other as it goes through that process. So that's mm. actually really nice and I quite like oh, that. So you can see very visually where things are. Um, I like it, but I couldn't figure out how to use it. I tried it. <laughs> that's the thing because it's I, open to interpretation it's not just a tick tick box task manager it, you have to sort of kind of set it up according to your vision of how you want things how you want to work and, and your workflow which is which i suppose takes a bit of getting used to yeah i tried to use it for coding projects um and i couldn't i couldn't get on with it but i think i'm, I'm sort of i think i'm a bit sort of brainwashed by other products probably particularly Basecamp. Yeah, I mean, I would like yeah. I would like to buy OmniPlan actually, because um, I use OmniFocus in uh, in sort of my personal and, and academic life, and I think it's uh, I think it's great. Um, but but for managing projects, I quite like the Gantt chart idea where you can sketch out different times and things. Mm. You meant you mentioned um, writing papers and things as well here. So we've we've used kind of Google Docs to write simultaneously and and you know edit abstracts and things together, and then. Dropbox as well when you know you've, 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 you've got time to actually go through the whole version and change it. Any updates on those? Anything else that anyone's using? I just want to make a comment about Google Docs. The mm. first time anyone sees a Google Doc being used, five people collaborating on the same file just blows your mind. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, everybody that you show it to doesn't quite believe what they're seeing. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Real-time sort of changing. Amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. Ha- Go on, Ed. Sorry, Ed. No, I was going to make a geeky comment, but it's the, the my I've lost the moment. The moment's lost. <laughs> say it. Say it now. It'll be really good. No, it won't be good. Now. Say it. Say it. Go on. It will end up in the outtakes, and it'll be really embarrassing. <laughs> I really want to know what he was going to say. It's not that exciting. But coming on to making things, um, I think let's talk about papers. Safe. Let's let's sort of assume the the position that we're going to collaborate on yeah. an academic paper that's we're going to try and publish in a journal. Relevant for everyone, isn't it? I suppose yeah. the de facto standard, and I hate this, is Microsoft Office. Yeah. Track changes. Mm. Uh, just for the text I'm talking about at the moment. So Microsoft oh, Office I've... track changes and email. Oh, I'm feeling nauseous. With EndNote for bibliographies <laughs> and, oh, and SPSS yeah, for stats. Mm. Those are some yeah. of my favourites. And this... that's fine, but I don't think it's... it's um, it's not very nice. Once you use those those products, you're very tied in to each and every one. That's the only problem. Yeah, and this brings me on to a really important point about file format. Um, we can talk about how we share files a, a bit later, but file format, I try uh, where possible. So I don't have Microsoft Office. I don't have Word. And I try where possible to write in a, a file format that w- can be read by anything. So instead mm. of exporting an Excel document, I'll export a CSV. Uh, so a comma-separated variable file that can be opened in any text editor and read in pretty much any spreadsheet application. Um, I will use a, a .txt file, a text file um, that can be read. Um, I might mark that up with Markdown, which sounds a bit weird. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I generally like to send text files and CSV documents for data rather than using any one particular format um, because I just think it's... If I have a CSV, I know in 10 years' time that someone's going to be able to read that CSV. Whereas mm. if, if there's an Excel document, the version might not be compatible and there might be problems with it or you know, a particular company that produces a particular file format might go bust. Yeah, do you remember when the PowerPoint thing got updated and, and everyone's it used to, it was .ppt and then it changed to .pptx. Yeah. And yeah. That, a couple of, like, file, four or five years. Everything. Four or five years ago, it just caused so many problems when people would come to give presentations. It's like, oh no, you're running the new office. I've only got a .ppt, or I've only got a .pptx, and you're running the old office. And I just remember every time in the hospital mm. that being a problem. Um, but you don't have that with text file. The text file is a text file. CSV is CSV. It's just text. Yeah, it's just text, and it'll always just be text, which I which I quite like. And the same for bibliographies. Like, I don't want to be tied into any one particular bibliography format, so I'll just use um, a bibtech document where possible. Yeah, I have a crazy idea. Uh huh. I would like. I think I think a really good collaboration tool for writing papers would be git and github yeah so uh, this is what i'm using so i've got a um so just to why don't you tell us what git and github is Ed? okay so git is a distributed version control and source code management system with an emphasis on speed is that wikipedia or the website i'm just looking at wikipedia <laughs> oh, that was i thought you just came up with that <laughs> uh no so basically git is for version control so git is the proper way of actually versioning, you know, instead of just changing the name of the document and writing V2 at the end or V3 or V4. Um, basically, what Git does is it allows you to create a snapshot of a file or a group of files um, and then to 
make changes and then create another snapshot and be able to go back at any time. Um, and then you have, so what you basically have is you have an evolving piece of work which has a profound memory, which can at any time be, can go back. It also has the ability to branch. So let's say that I've got this text document, this paper that I've been writing, and someone else comes on board and they want to do some edits. They can just take mine, create a branch of it, and then do all of their changes. Um, and then I can review it. And if I like it, I could then merge it into the sort of core central document. Um, so that's basically what Git is. Uh, GitHub is essentially a web application which allows you to host um, the, you know, Git repositories, these sort of these memory systems for documents. Um, but the nice thing about GitHub is a bit like Basecamp is it's got collaborative features built into it. So you can have the document online with all the files there, but you've got the ability to actually do actually have conversations and to raise issues and to um, have uh, wikis and create tickets well, and a lot all of this, this stuff, stuff in Google Docs as well. So Google Docs, you can add little comments and make changes. Everyone can make changes at the same oh, time. Oh, but you can't you can't track the versions very well, and you definitely can't branch. So you can't have yeah. two versions going at the same time and then merged back on the later stage. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And the, the, there's but is that good? Is that good to have two versions? That's the whole problem with sort of Dropbox and even emailing Word documents and things. That oh, it, oh, it absolutely, absolutely. Is that's good. what I like about Google Docs. Whatever you look at is the most current version. No, but you can't that's go back easily. Good. So say yeah. say someone comes in um, that you want to invite on the project, and uh, you don't know how it's going to be, and they'll go into the project and they'll slash and make loads of changes, and then you'll look. Someone else will the the original creator of the project mm -hmm. will look at the document and think that's not right i want to go back to the way it was but unfortunately right. you can only press command and z uh on the guy's uh computer who changed it and to go back uh you can undo a few changes on, on google docs but not very many but to go back to an earlier version of the document it's, it's very very difficult and yeah. this i mean this, oh, git, git was i mean there were other version control systems like subversion but git is definitely for me the most user-friendly and powering um it with github is is become almost a de facto standard of the way coders work and collaborate on projects together. Um, because it's backed up to the cloud, you always have uh, a sort of backup version of it. And you can imagine where in, in code, uh, if, if there's mm. a semicolon or a comma out of place, the code won't work. So it's it's not like a document where you can go and find the words and change them. It's probably easier, but it's much more difficult in code where there's multiple different files all sort of doing different things. But I think I think it would be just as suitable for application to academic papers as well, to be honest. Um, especially now, I mean, they've introduced GitHub recently introduced actually inline editing, so you you can actually go in and edit, um, make some edits, and then save it, and obviously give a, a title to, to the, the the changes that you've made, and people will get notified about that. Um, and so it's I think you know the. It used to be that they'd say, oh, you know, Git's too complicated, you know, it involves the command line, it's too complicated for people to pick up. But nowadays, there are so many applications and things that make it easy. In fact, Git have produced their own sort of Mac and Windows um, graphical user interface type applications as opposed to having to use the command line, which enable, you know, ordinary people to use Git and get the benefits of really tight version control and branching together with GitHub. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think... 
it's it's great and actually saying that i think we should probably i think it'd be nice to have a, a session on that maybe yeah, yeah definitely i mean uh, I th it's something that is I, it free? I yeah oh. it's uh it's free for a, no a certain number of projects github i mean git is free it's a free open source tool that was i think believe i believe it was invented or made linus by linus, linus yeah. yeah so he was the mm. unix guy who invented linux oh wow um yeah. so I mean, Git is free, uh, but it, as Ed said, it's it's it can be tricky to use if you're not comfortable with the command line. But it's easy to learn. It's not the basic. There's about four or five basic commands you need um, to be able to make what commits, which are the changes. So it's a group of changes that do a specific thing. So you can bunch it like I have improved the introduction to this document, and that would be a particular commit. And what's great is that Jim on journals where you go and you can see. Uh, there's a statement usually in a lot of journals to see which how what, what the authors have done to contribute to their article generation. But with GitHub, you can get uh, statistics like who has contributed what and over time, the frequency of their code um, uploads, their commit activity, uh, what time of day they're uploading stuff. So you can get all these statistics around it that would be really useful, I think, for attribution. And perhaps that could future be a future metric of judging how productive someone is you know, ghostwriting is a particular problem and you always get the prof stuck at the end. But if the prof hasn't touched the code, then perhaps, you know, perhaps he had the mm. idea for it and that should be recognized. That would that would be a really nice little um, little uh, application, actually, for academic writing, one that yeah. goes off to the GitHub API and, and creates the, you know, the authors and orders them correctly based upon their contribution automatically. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. And so to this end, I mean, I have produced, I mean, there's so many things that you can learn from the program community and just getting involved in learning how to code. You learn all sorts of tips and tricks about working collaboratively over distances and how to manage lots of files and data securely, uh, that kind of thing. And there's so many little things that I've learned just from learning to code that I've applied in my daily life. And this is certainly one of them. So for, for a web writing so writing websites you can write static files but typically people now use what's called a framework like ruby on rails um or for, if for python you might use django and there are there are various others for php etc and what they do is that, that in rails particularly they have certain folders certain locations where things go so the code that does this job always goes in this folder so there's this kind of tree of files and folders a hierarchy if you like that stays consistent from project to project which if you think about it is brilliant because if you come back to a project six months later or you've never seen this project before but you're asked to go and do something, you know where to find things and it's not just a hodgepodge of stuff. And I was getting to the point where, you know, writing articles and proposals and grants, that kind of thing, where I would be like, oh, what's the latest version? I'll have to go in and find the date it was last edited or modified or opened and it was just a big mess. So I made myself a little academic project scaffold that I host on GitHub that I've, I've produced a kind of framework for how I want to work with making a paper. So the top level directory, I've got a bibliography.bib. So that's a bibtech file with all my, uh, the bibliography information that's associated with that. Then I've got a, I'm going alphabetically here, I've got a folder called drafts. And within that, I will contain all the text files uh, for my drafts. And for each change that I make, I will commit with GitHub and then upload, uh, sorry, commit with Git and then upload it to GitHub. So I've got, you know, this version control of all my drafts and everything else. I've got a lib directory where I'll contain certain things about the project. Maybe it will be project data. So I might have my CSV files in, in the lib directory or it might even be particular documents that I, I might refer to on how to do things 
Um, then I've got a readme file and that just outlines what the project's about uh, and and uh, a, a little bit about where I'm up with it, where I'm up to with it. I've got a research folder and that contains all of the PDFs of the the articles that I've used to write that or the articles that will be in the bibliography. Uh, a submissions MD file, so it's just a markdown file that tells me where I have submitted to and when I've submitted to and whether I've heard back from them. And then I've got uh, a versions file, and in uh, sorry folder. And within that folder, I've got uh, what's called uh, I've got a template in a LaTeX file because I use uh, LaTeX. So I've got a tech file that I'll use as a template for all of my projects. And all I go in that do is change the file the 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 file names and stuff, and it will generate a nice looking PDF for me. And I've got a, a BST, which is a bibliography template file. So the beauty of that is is another thing you should learn from coders is so many files. separating <laughs> <laughs> separating so many files. separating style and content. Yeah, because that's really important, especially for code. Mm. So in code, you've got content which is HTML and style which is CSS. So if you want to make your website look different in a snap, you can change it just by altering the CSS. And the same thing I'm kind of doing for, for bibliography style as well, because all I need to do is put a different BST file in that folder and yeah. I can change from Vancouver to Harvard to a particular mm. journal format at a snap. I do like that because then you're not tied to EndNote or any other bibliography managing tool, you know, uh, which is a problem I have because EndNote doesn't work at all on Mac. And um, mm. and it's a pain. It's a pain in Windows. One of, one of my friends is doing a thesis at the moment, and to add a new reference, it takes her ten minutes, just because it's mm. just dying because she's got so many yeah. references. And the integration into oh, the Office Suite is just seems to get worse and worse yeah, and worse. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, but I think I think the point you're trying to make, there, apart from your long list of files, is that having a structure and a template that you can use over and over again, having what's called convention over configuration you set these conventions and you use them again you you create a way of working um, with projects is incredibly useful um, and it's incredibly useful especially if you're collaborating because it, and you because you're setting the ground rules basically you're saying this is the structure this is how this is how the project's going to flow mm -hmm. and this is where everything is um, and then you know not only over time but while you're actually working everybody knows where they stand and how things are um, that's a that's a benefit of 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 having a structure like yours. I think I should have just said mm. that, really, shouldn't I? I don't know why I opened the folder <laughs> and I was just like, I'm going to read all of this. Um, Didn't you, you produce so a... good at, uh, summarizing each other's statements? Yeah, yeah. Why are you best. guys being helpful to me tonight? This isn't. <laughs> 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 what were you saying? Nothing. It wasn't interesting. Oh, you were going to say something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I think no. um, this definitely solves a big problem because it's it's operating system independent, so you can be on Mac, Windows, Linux, whatever you like, and you can still contribute in exactly the same way. Um, you can have multiple collaborators. You can attribute people for the work they actually do, and uh, there's there's you know with GitHub, there's an online backup. There is a project called SciGit that uh, was been brewing for a couple of years now, and I think they officially launched earlier this year. And I did sign up. I've had a look at it. I wasn't that impressed, but I think they were working very hard to improve the product. So I'm, I think their idea was that, like like I, we've come to the conclusion independently, is that you could use this very easily for, for science and not just generating academic papers, but producing data sets and graphs and images, those kind of things. 
Hmm. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. Yeah, so I get. So um, we'll, put a, we'll put that in the show notes. It's definitely put it in the show notes. Definitely worth having a look do, at. Don't be scared. You know, if you're listening to this and you got this far, then uh, you're probably very dedicated and you can probably figure <laughs> out Git. Yeah. No, I think the concept behind Git is very solid, and I think I, I've I have used it to just collaborate in like software development as a person just giving feedback. You know, just the additional things like the way they that you can track issues and track discussions and assign things to it. It's just. I, I don't know. It's it. It just seems so. I I always wish I could use something like that in my day to day work. It just pain. I'm I'm sure I spent an extra one and a half hours a day easily, just trying to make sure I don't forget things and most of the time yeah. trying to update people about things that are going on. And and it just pains me that we will drop, you know, a hundred half a million pounds buying a piece of equipment. In, in, in one department that might benefit some people and we spend like no money in thinking of how we can get working in hospital more efficient, improve communications using technology. It's just not on people's radar at all and it just irritates me. There'll be a stupid and statue I, outside the hospital right now that cost a, mm. cost a good, you know, 30 grand or something. Spend money on that instead. Yeah. So can I ask you something? I mean, you know, we've spoken about all of this and I'm, you know, still the other day we, we did a calendar and we spent all that time putting it onto an Excel spreadsheet. And I don't understand why, you know, how do you make that change? Why does that happen when people, people do use Google calendars and I use it uh, and I use iCal. But it seems to be somehow you, no matter what, you know, why do people choose the simple option? Because it's the, the path of least, option? it's the path of least resistance. It's the one that your group was most familiar with. So you naturally go to that because... They, 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 it's a laborious task entering all that stuff into into any any place, mm. but to persuade control, other isn't it? to control persuade other data. people to persuade other people that they should use something other than Office, <laughs> yeah, uh, and le- and learn how to use that, and then put in all this data, which is very boring, is mm. a, is not easy. You know, it, it's not easy to to persuade people to do these things, and unless the software is very got a very very low entry point which was one of the advantages when we started using Basecamp is yes. I base, with the conference um, after the initial first tweet I basically right I'm setting up Basecamp and I just invited all the people who wanted to be involved and it, people could figure it out immediately and I think um, it's also something about the familiarity with paper processes yes yeah. and at the, at the end of the day people are using Excel spreadsheets not as a spreadsheet they're using it as a big table with grids yeah. Yeah. Mm. I mean, people still generate their own dates, for goodness sake, and they don't know how to write a simple formula to calculate how many on calls they do so that you can make sure that everyone does the right amount of on calls and there's no one saying that it's unfair. And, you know, it, they're use, you're using it as it a table. You're using it as a table. You're not using it as anything. You're not even using it as what Excel can do. And I actually think Excel is a very, very powerful. It's very powerful. Yeah. And, and I think it's probably the best um, spreadsheet software there is compared to all the other ones that I've used in other, other operating systems. Mm. And, um, and the same thing with Word. I was just giving an example earlier. People use Word to write things on. They mm. don't even know what styles are. No one knows what heading one, heading two is. Table Trying of to, contents or anything, yeah. Or table of contents or auto or outline numbering or cross-referencing. Or, mm. People don't get that. They just use it as a, you know, a really, really clunky... It's, pa- it's paper. Exactly. It's paper, yeah. 
and and that's the thing you see because that's why pe- people feel very comfortable in it even though it's, for us it's incredibly painful but for others they think look this is such a great system it's not paper <laughs> yeah but it's clutter of another kind isn't it but let me tell you about people's idea of a paperless hospital right so loads of hospitals up and down this country uh they think oh my goodness we got such an amazing project what they are what the way they're going paperless is not trying to do digital data entry or collecting information in a structured way the idea of doing paperless is every every department will generate their own word document and this word document will be put up in a central repository converted into pdf that everyone else can read yeah, mm. that is paperless. The other thing about paperless is that at the end of every day, all your clinical notes that you handwrite will be scanned in overnight, yes. made available so exactly tomorrow. My point yeah. To be, yeah. So that's yeah. the idea of paperless. Yeah, they are spending so much money. And of course, this takes a lot of time because you need a human being to load the paper onto the scanner, right? And making sure it gets to the right place, etc. etc. Somewhat a lot of the process can be automated. But the point is. Once again, you make absolutely no uh, kind of um, that you're deriving no benefit from digital data capture. You're just doing it for the sake of not having or of using a computer. And, and not only yeah. you solve it's just solve one problem, mm. which is you'll never lose notes and you'll always have notes. And it is a very big problem, and I understand it. But spending that amount of resource, should you not instead actually spend that money, but trying to convert your clinicians to capture data, uh, data digitally instead. Like, what's very interesting, I think, you know, during our podcast with Bill Aylward, he, he mentioned that uh, what University Hospitals Birmingham did when they decided they want to get rid of paper was mm. that they were, not, they were not going to scan the old notes no. at all. What they said was, we'll make the old notes in paper available for you. Then after a while, a lot of people have integrated the information from the paper notes onto the electronic system. And after about three months, hardly anyone requested the paper notes anymore. Mm. But by starting to scan things, we are still thinking like paper. And yet up and down the country, you know, Lots of people are doing this. And the shocking thing, of course, is they say, well, the clinicians want this. Yeah, I suppose the harder thing to do, though, the, I mean, the easy thing to do is to try and digitalize a workflow that already exists in paper, which I think is the wrong yeah. way to do it. What's harder is to induce cultural change for the better. Yeah. So these tools work are best used in this way, and there are lots of benefits from doing this. But in order to do that, we need to educate people and change the way we work. You also need good software. Yeah. Yeah. Don't forget that. You also need good software. And a lot of clinicians are turned off by computers because they've been forced for years and years and years to use crap software. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's a big part of the reason. Mm. Just like you said so, with, with Basecamp, Ed, is that you could just add people and it was so intuitive. And I think good yeah. software design is about that, isn't it? It's about making things... I mean, the first time you picked up an iPad... You didn't have to look for the manual, did you? You just knew intuitively how to use it. And you could give it... I mean, I've, I've seen 85-year-olds who wouldn't touch a computer, pick up an iPad and, and do everything they want to do on it. And, and it really is quite a joy to watch. And that's just, that just shows you how, how design is so important for these kinds of yeah, things. Yeah, I, I, pl- I play uh, online Scrabble with my grandma, my 94-year-old grandma, every <laughs> Sunday afternoon. Who wins? She wins yeah. every time. <laughs> maybe she maybe she has an app that suggests words to her that you don't know. 
Well, I think after 90 years, of, well, not 90 years, after 80 odd years of doing crosswords and uh, things like that, she's probably... She's uh, got a big Google group and then she just uploads the images. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what she's doing. Yeah. But you know, it's interesting you mentioned that because I actually cost my company about 15 grand a couple of months back. I had a GP consortia come to me and say, oh, we're looking, we want you to build a tool that allows us to collaborate and we're all working remotely um, and we need something where we can have uh, discussions and post files and <laughs> you know this kind of stuff and uh, I, I sat down I sat down with them and I said uh, um, <laughs> I said I think I think there's something already out there which you can use <laughs> and now they're all on Basecamp they're running the GP consortia through Basecamp um, that's awesome that's awesome so w- one last thing before we go I want to talk about files because uh, the traditional way of sending documents to people has been email, right? And still is to a large extent. But that becomes a problem, particularly when security is an issue or there are lots of files or the files are very big. How are you guys managing that if you're collaborating on a project? Big files? No, any anything. So another way to share send- files with people... That isn't Dropbox that, is good. It does it. You can create a link as well to any Dropbox file, but I don't it doesn't. Think it's it doesn't work in hospitals. They block my link to Dropbox. Yeah, yeah. Just add an S on the end of the secure. HTTP. We need to. Try oh, you mean even for a link to the? All right, I'll try that next. Just, just, try, just try it. It might not work. They might have closed that loophole. But I, uh, I showed a consultant. I introduced a when I was a few years ago. I introduced a consultant to GitHub, who I was working for, and. Uh, not GitHub, sorry, um, Dropbox. Dropbox. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he said, oh, I can't get it to work on hospital computers. And I blew his mind. I walked over to his computer, <laughs> added an S, pressed enter, and he got access to it. Um, <laughs> that was, I could, after that, patient care didn't matter. I could yeah, do no merit, wrong. merit for the firm. Where's that, where's yeah. that Jedi house officer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I haven't watched Star Wars in a long time, actually. I might need to watch it. Yeah, so Dropbox is one thing. Uh, Go- uh, yeah, Google Drive. Yeah, I've used that. So I've I've worked with a yeah. with group. We used to produce presentations every week, um, an academic group, and we used to use uh, Google Drive. I think it, it worked really well. I've actually... SkyDrive, if you're a Microsoft person. Yeah. SkyDrive, yeah, yeah, I've got that. Yeah. So they're all pretty good. The syncing is what I think is is best about um, about Dropbox and those things. Mm. But people yeah. have been worried about security, those kind of things. So I mean, I have my absolute life in Dropbox, passport, scanned Same. in those kind of you know everything, my vaccination history, absolutely everything. And every now and again, mm. I think is this you know when you have to authorize apps to use yeah. Dropbox Sync, and it says this will, this app will have access to all of your data, and you kind of think, oh, you know. Oh, yeah. I've got I, I pay Dropbox and I've got gigabytes of data and that some of it's Same quite here. important and I always think mm, should I be doing this and I always click yes but you know I'm, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so there's a product called um, File Transporter and I think they were a Kickstarter project that got funded and it's essentially a, a little uh, like yep. conical shaped uh, thing that you stick on next to your network and plug it in and it's a hard drive and it basically will set up a a Dropbox like syncing service for you, um, which is great. And if you had a, a second location that's perhaps off site and you stick one of these file transporters, perhaps at your mum's house or something like that, then um, then you've essentially you've got an off off site backup as well. And they've got great iPhone uh, and Android apps to access all your data. So I'm looking into that. It's a little pricey though. And that's secure, is it? 
no one else can access yeah it's it, so. all it's all secure and um you can you can assign permissions and access on a file level or folder level basis it's like oh, a personal cool. personal cloud isn't yeah. it um, mm-hmm. among your trusted people yeah yeah i like that i'm very i'm very interested in this for patient development and from a development point of view for patient data mm. um i'm looking into this at the moment to see so you can give someone permission to access yeah particular records particular files documents yeah. files. very cool yeah it's definitely very cool and um it, the service is free they i think they use their servers to hold the syncing information but um they don't hold any of your data they just they just it's, it's in, the nice thing is it's encrypted in motion yeah so, so it does go to their servers to actually do the transfer, but it's encrypted. It's, it's you know, it's garbage data. I like the distributed approach though that you can you can have sort of multiple locations, and it's about control for me. So I I know where that data is. It's on my mm. it's on my desk, or it's in a locked drawer, or you know I know, I know where it is, and I have absolute control over everything in there. Whereas you do place a lot of trust in companies when you start putting everything you own, my entire home folder, into Dropbox. Hmm. Yeah, my life is in Evernote. So if someone hacked into my Evernote, oh, Evernote. account, yeah. We didn't talk about Evernote actually, but Evernote is pretty good. Oh. And I know what, what I've always been meaning to do this is buy a scan snap. So Ed, you've got a scan snap, which is a, oh, a document feeder and it scans both sides as it goes through. So you can stick 20 sheets in and it will take one and yeah. scan both sides and OCR it and it goes straight into Evernote, doesn't yeah. it? Exactly. And then I can, I can search for something and it will actually search within the text of the thing I've scanned because it's been OCR. Yeah, that's really cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I, I, I run, like, I've basically got everything in there. Like, I don't have any documents. Um, I don't keep any, like, paper. Just so so, so you're, you're, you use I've Evernote heard. as your paperless solution, yeah? Yes. Okay. Which is great. You use paper- that for all your mail, your post in, in the day. and, and Yeah, you know, so, I mean, I've got, you know, any I've got household stuff in there. Mm. I've got, I mean, but recently I've used it. They have a business um, product in Evernote and I've actually my, the uh, Podmedics the company now uses that so each project has its own shared folder with resources and things in it um, which everyone can access we've moved away from, from Dropbox just as a sort of dustbin of stuff essentially mm. um, to be able to keep an individual project folders um, mm. and I, I even store things like reference material in there as well so um, for people I'm working with uh, who've got access to the 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 company um, Evernote side, there actually is our project folders that contain, um, you know, uh, coding books, things like that, uh, references, articles that are useful for in certain situations. Um, I've got um, protocols, so the way that we work, sort of protocols written in them and everything like that. Um, so it can actually, uh, um, Evernote have originally were just like a garbage bin kind of thing for which you could sort of organize into folders for your information but they've been working a lot recently to introduce collaborative features um and such a shared folders that was the first thing and then they introduced this business thing and now they've introduced task management actually a bit into evernote now as well and so i think evernote is one to watch and on a personal level if you're interested in you know storing your documents and things in in one place and scanning things and stuff like that evernote is definitely something to look at because people have workflows don't they where they have um 
uh, an inbox. So all their mail comes in. On the left-hand side of the desk, they've got an in-tray. Uh, in the middle of the desk, they've got a scan snap connected up to the computer. They will automatically stick everything in Dropbox as it scans it. And on the right, yeah. they've got a shredder that goes over the side of the table into a bin. <laughs> so you just take letter in the scan snap, shred it in the bin. Goodbye paper. Yeah. You're not sitting in my room right now, are you, Stephen? No. That's basically, <laughs> that's basically, what, that's basically what I have. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I um, SSH into your computer and I can use your webcam. Take, take control. Uh, oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Mm. I've got nothing to hide. So what, what about getting stuff out of Dropbox? Um, not Dropbox, Evernote. Uh, because I, I know that they weren't great at that beginning. And I think recently you can get stuff out, but it comes out in HTML format, which is a bit strange. Uh, I haven't had a problem, but then I store mainly... Evernote now actually displays your files. So if you put a Word document in there, for example, mm -hmm. or a text document or something, it will actually it actually will just store it as that, and it will display it in the actual application rather than it just being a file. And you can drag it out very easily, open it with another application. When you save it using that other application, it will get saved back into Evernote. What does it do? So you can edit it in within Evernote. Yeah. You're not we're not within Evernote. You're opening it. Say you've got a let's say a, a photo, say you've got a Photoshop file. Right. Okay. You can open it, edit it, save it, and the 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 thing will still exist in Evernote. It will sync. The new it'll, version. The new version. You, you yeah. Didn't answer my question though. How do you get your stuff out at the end? So say say uh, you wanted to move over to a different system. Well, you mean a mass export? Yeah. Oh well, I I don't know. I've never never thought. I've never tried that. Oh. Because well, I, but true. I couldn't get access to all my files at any time, so I don't worry so about you it. Can, I'm just looking at it now. So you can export to Evernote XML, which is useful if you want to go to another Evernote database, and HTML. Because the notes can contain different stuff, right? They can contain pictures and text and audio files. Yeah, so the, so the way Dropbox store things, isn't it in something similar to a rich text format? Is that what they are based on? You're talking about, you mean Evernote? Yeah. In Evernote, yeah. Yeah, that's so. so I'm talking about files here. I'm, I'm You're text. not talking about the actual notes. Mm. I'm not talking about the actual. So the, there are notes. Yes, you can make notes. Um, but I think that you. I think when you export and it's got files, I think you just get all those files out with your right, HTML. Right. 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 Okay. It's a bit like the way they manage PDFs. Yeah. Mm. Perhaps. So, guys, um, perhaps we should wrap things up there unless there was anything that you, you thought we hadn't touched on. Uh, no. Well, no. I'll, 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 what, I'm, what I'll be quite interested in for a future episode is actually talk about, you know, using real-life examples in hospitals of mm. how to manage collaboration. For example, I, I work as a hematologist, and one of the things we do a lot is multidisciplinary team meetings. Mm -hmm. I guess it's not only in hematology, it's any specialty nowadays. But the way we manage and capture data and collaborate on uh, multidisciplinary team, team meetings is just shocking. It is everything we mentioned today. Shared folders, emails, you know, scanned papers. That's what we do still. Yeah. Even though it's so predictable, it's the same thing every week. And we are, we are using highly trained doctors like myself, who entered university first in 1996 to do work which I could probably do when I was in high school. It's just ridiculous. Or look at blood films. Sorry? Or look at blood films, yeah. yeah. So I, 
in the process of reporting blood films, for example, I spend more time fighting with the computer than looking down the microscope. Because, because really, <laughs> you can imagine a situation where you would have, like Evernote has the ability to create notes that contain a lot of different multimedia formats. So it can have text, it can have pictures, uh, and audio, those kind of things. You can imagine uh, an MDT meeting for a particular patient. So that patient was discussed in this MDT, and you know there could be audio from what people had said. There can be uh, someone taking notes uh, within that note. There can be images of the of, of all the the pathology slides and the X-rays. I mean, it w- doesn't need to be static images, of course. It could be the actual um, CT file or something like that. You know, all of that kind of rich media that we use to make decisions about people could go into this one particular document. Mm. Which I think would be awesome. Yeah, we, we try to do that. It's called the integrated pathology report for pathology. Oh. So, for example, when you oh, wow. when you um, for, when you do a bone marrow, right? Mm-hmm. You need to send it for six different tests, and you need all the six tests together. And there's no way of like pulling those six different results together, and 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 have one conclusion from it all. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, that is really a discussion for another day. I think MDTs maybe is something that we can talk about for yeah, a whole yeah, episode. Separate. Yeah, mm. yeah, and I'd I'd like to see us talk about that plus how we can use all of these technologies that we've spoken about and even Git for medical records. I nearly said this on the on the show with Marcus, but um, uh, we'll go into that in a bit more detail because I've got a bit of an idea about how we might be able to use uh, a Git or, or or maybe a Git like structure for updating medical records, and and that, I think that would be pretty cool. I think we should also have an episode on guidelines, on how how do you, can you use technology to make people uh, make guidelines more accessible, make it more lively, so there can be a two way conversation between the person that wrote the guidelines and people using it. And I think that can be another topic as well. Like maybe using it in the hospital and have it integrated with the EHR and that kind of thing. Oh, or even you know simpler things like I was just talking to Ed about antimicrobial guidelines and infection control. Wouldn't it be good to have like the app would give you all the information as well, uh, but also give you updates on how is the hospital doing in terms of infection, where are the hotspots, you know, where are things changing? So it makes the kind of communication between the clinicians and the microbiology department more rich instead that- of just having a. Will that be better than a laminated card then? The lemon. <laughs> Why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, most most apps just just have like a, a, table, glor- a table with the title of the document, and you click on it, and then you get the PDF. <laughs> and, and do you know in in healthcare that is considered innovation, and that's so, <laughs> and that is so sad. Mm. Well, it's it's worse than the paper copy because you then you have to like zoom around and scroll and. It's, it, <laughs> And you can charge a lot of money to develop that. Oh, yeah, that takes a lot of time. Right, all right, okay, we can go on. We, can, we could go on. So I've managed to get through, I don't know about you, Ed, but I've managed to get through this entire episode with you talking about different products to do collaboration and procrastinate, and I've not come away with anything that I need to go and buy. <laughs> well, I have. I need to now go and sign up for Asana. Yeah. Again. Oh, no. Really? More, more than Basecamp? No, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. But yeah. I get very seduced by pretty homepages. You do. Yeah. As do I. Thanks very much, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Check for pulse.